This episode of Good Sheilers is proudly sponsored by Lug and Carry. Lug and Carry give you the easiest way to ethically get around Melbourne. Their electric bikes can be fitted out for anything you need. From carting ungrateful kids around to small doggos. To this week's shopping or even your podcast partner if that's how you spice things up. I do not want to spice anything up with you, Claire. <laughs> I've ridden a lug and carry bike for months now and they're incredible. I chuck my two kids on the back and go fast enough so I can't hear them yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I've used yours too and it's an excellent way to get around town. And it's way cheaper than the car. And I barely use my car anymore. And I'm barely your friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners can get the first two weeks of a lug and carry bike absolutely free by mentioning Good Sheilers. Fun fact about Claire Hooper. One morning, her husband Wade was having a shower and she burst in and yelled, Get out of here now! <laughs> Wade panicked and stumbled out of the bathroom, dripping wet and absolutely terrified of his own wife. It turned out that she'd just eaten a whole bag of prunes and needed to do a massive turbo poo. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> Marriage is beautiful. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I mean, like, it had been hours earlier. Obviously, it takes a while. It was really interesting, actually, noticing how, like, sudden the effect is. Like, as in nothing, 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 nothing. Everything. Now. to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers. Good day, Sheilers. Welcome to our 20th episode. Yes, 20 episodes of Good Sheilers. And let me tell you, Claire, like our friendship, this has been surprisingly successful. Why are you here, Bron? <laughs> Shut up. It's a bicentenary. I keep saying that. I don't know what that actually means, but Christ. let's go with it. Because this week we are celebrating. We're bringing you nothing but sheer and utter joy because we deserve it. And we are celebrating with one of Australia's most treasured icons and comedians, Claire Hooper. Claire Hooper has graced your telescreens with the Great Australian Bake Off, Good News Week and a billion panels. She's been on every radio station possible and she is a wildly successful stand-up comedian in her own right. Last year, before the world fell apart, her stand-up show Biscuits won a Comedy Weekly Award in Perth Comedy Festival. We both saw that show, didn't we, Claire? Yeah, it was amazing. So brilliant. brilliant. So good. But most importantly, Claire Hooper is one of our dearest mates. So to avoid confusion for this episode, because but two women on this show are called Claire, which is a very exotic mm. name, we'll be referring <laughs> to Claire Hooper as Hoops and the host Claire as Unhinged. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So Claire Hooper, we're going to pick your brain and ask you what you reckon the future holds for us. 2020 is getting weirder by the minute and we can't predict a single thing, but if we could predict 2021, what would we guess? 
Hoops. Wow. Am I okay? So I'm allowed to talk now. You are. Because um, you, really, you are really. Yeah. I've been. I've been like opening my mouth to talk for um, the last <laughs> 20 minutes as you introduced yourselves. <laughs> and I've been getting stern looks down the um, down the FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. You know, I heard you say that you were going to get like some unbridled joy, and I don't. I mean, we're we're good mates. I'm really surprised you don't know that I am. Um, I'm a real doomsday prepper. Like I'm, I am, I, I read nothing but books about the apocalypse. I don't have any, I don't have any hope or joy to bring you. I mean, I, like I'm having a great time, but I don't have, I don't, I don't know. I don't have as much faith. People keep talking about this idea of going back to normal. I can't wait till it goes back to normal. And I'm like, will it? Really? <laughs> okay. You know? So we've chosen the wrong I'm, guest. So we'll start yes. again. No, it's okay. cancelled. Goodbye. All right, well, goodbye. <laughs> but Hoops, how are you? How how have you been during this 2020? Um, I, look, I, do, I think we have felt really similarly in that that first lockdown was like this, it was an opportunity to be philosophical, learn something about yourself and the people you live with, learn, I don't know, just learn to not take things for granted and to look at the world slightly differently. Like it was a really beautiful opportunity. And I say that from a place of great privilege, because for some people it was just an absolute horror show because they either got very sick or they were dealing with people that were sick or, you know, like there's, it has not been great for everyone. But if your only problem on the first lockdown was being locked down, then it was all right. Yeah. This, this second one is happening in the heart of Melbourne winter. It happened two fast like the turnaround from the first one was too quick mm. um we just you know we didn't really get that much of, we didn't get around to doing all the things we we're like oh this is great we can have a barbecue with our friends again <laughs> except it takes four weeks to organize a barbecue <laughs> with friends doesn't it so everything what like we friends? just oh and also oh sorry claire friends are like um people <laughs> that want to see you again after the first time you've met them um <laughs> So yeah, the, the, this next one has been it's been more brutal, and I don't th- I don't think Melbourne winter helps at all because we're all um, you know our immune systems are down and the skies are grey, and it's harder to get out for that exercise that makes you actually feel a little bit more cheerful about life. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah yeah, and we are it's been, it's been weird. We are based in Melbourne, where we are in stage four lockdown, and of so for our interstate and international listeners, we hope that this episode is still interesting for you and we apologize if it seems like we're excluding you from this conversation but this right now is what we're living and breathing so this is what we know and this is what we'll talk about god damn it and just for everybody who's not in melbourne we have really cool really cute rules right now like we can't leave the house after 8 p.m and we Mm. can only go to the shops once and we're not allowed to have being friendships ever Claire, again. It's really similar to your life, Claire. Exactly. Yeah. Everything, exactly <laughs> the same. Oh, man, it has been. I mean, it really hasn't been that much of a shock to the system if you have small children and a naturally boring life. Um, I, but I, for me it's been, and I think, um, uh, I think my experience of 2020 will be similar to artists anywhere around the world. So other, whilst other countries have emerged from lockdown, the entertainment world has not returned to normal. Yeah. So anyone who had painted themselves into the same corner that I had, which is pretty close to 100% live, 
it hasn't come back for anyone. So everyone is wildly pivoting, trying to work out whether or not, whether or not it's possible to do what we do mm. <laughs> online. And it is, but it's not as fun. It's, you know, it's not what we signed up for. Mm-hmm. So we're all trying to wildly adapt. Yep. And then, of course, I mean, I, I also work in TV and radio. And if you had a TV or radio job, you were all right. But if you were in between TV or radio jobs, it's not like anything's popping up really. So we're all, yeah, it's a, it's a strange way to be. I've, I'm really, I'm actually pleasantly surprised because I did think that I hung a lot of my identity on my career. And so I'm pleasantly surprised that I haven't fallen into a giant hole yeah. having absolutely nothing to do. You know, like I, I miss, I miss the validation or the sense that somebody will miss me if I don't turn mm. up mm. like that. That's, I just our calendar used to look so crammed full of what Wade and I were doing so that we wouldn't clash. You know, we're trying to deal with kids, so it'd be like, okay, if I get a gig, I make sure I put in that in the calendar. The calendar used to be a real mess yep. in a good way, and now it is blank. It's like it's got nothing on it because mm. I've got no work. Mm. And how, how how do you how do you feel about where that identity piece has gone, Claire? Like going from thinking that it was a big part of who you were to you know, like what what actually have you found what fulfills you? Is there anything magical that's popped up where you're like, actually, I really love horse riding? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um. How have I? I think um I think what I really liked the most about what I did for work was how taxing it was for my brain. So I would always set myself really deliberately difficult challenges at work. And um and so now what do I do? Like I've been teaching myself languages and to solve a Rubik's cube and I don't know like I try, like I I've been trying to learn things that are difficult because I don't know. That somehow that's feeding that little bit of my brain. Yeah, because I've I've watched you at so many gigs, hoops, and it's just like you. The way that you can remember the most, uh, the trickiest names, um, but you've just met someone. They've got a really tricky name, and you will talk to a bunch of different people, and then you know that you have to introduce them. And you'll go on stage, and you'll tell about three or four different jokes, and then you'll introduce this person that you've only just met with a tricky name. And I'm like, how does her brain do that? And I remember there was this one gig where you were given this huge this script just before you had to go on and you had to memorise so many different sponsors and there was, like, hundreds of people in the audience and then you were just, like, thrown on stage and you had to, like, from memory, remember all of these people and your brain just can do that. So I, I had mm. never thought about what that would be like for your brain to take away that necessity. Yeah, like, I really... I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't memorise a page of text if I if I didn't have that rush of adrenaline. So, yeah, I really, I really miss that. Um, and I, would, I tend to get, like, at least a, a half migraine, if not a full migraine, after one of those days of work. Mm-hmm. But I really, really like that sense of pushing myself to an extreme. I mean, like, plenty of people do it for more noble reasons or more um, vital reasons. And, um, yeah, but I, but I miss... <laughs> But I miss I miss testing myself. Yeah. I just feel like my brain is atrophying. So do you get um, that? But I am, I'm getting good at French. 
So All right, that's, that's good. That is cool. That's amazing. Sexy. Sexy crystal. Yeah, thanks. It is. It's a sexy language. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me, Claire. Which I'm is single. really so this this idea of um this idea of the adrenaline and like where does it go if we're so used to using it and if our body's so I guess reliant on it um being used for us to feel alive and important. What so for someone like you in the entertainment industry who constantly has to experience and there'd be a bunch of other um, industries where they have to use where their adrenaline will kick in wonder what happens like where does that go what mm. happens to those adrenal glands at this time what about the glands hoops tell us dr Hope. i'll tell you i mean like it's just it's um it's a feedback loop so if the stimulus isn't there the the um the building blocks aren't converted into adrenaline you know mm. adrenaline is is triggered so if there is no triggering stimuli then then you you're your body is genuinely not going to convert. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not going to create it. So it's not like it's going anywhere. It's not circling around in your body. Although I can imagine that some people are getting some, you know, like some anxiety responses and yeah. stuff from that, mm. from, from just um, from their life being less stimulating than normal. I can imagine that that's actually messing with some people's mm-hmm. heads. But technically, if you are not putting yourself in the situation to trigger it, then it's just not being created. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing lots of online gigs at the moment, Claire, and um, I've watched a few. No, well, <laughs> not some, lots. Some, I mean, I some, a handful. Some, yeah. What does it feel like, you know, compared to going onto, you know, a gigantic stage of people to going onto a camera? What, what is that? What, do you feel, still feel excited? Do you feel thrilled? Or is it, do you have to pump yourself up? It's so weird. Oh, my goodness. It's so weird because it's almost like, and I don't want to complain, but it's almost like you get all the bad stuff of a gig and none of the good stuff. So it's like you get a tremendous amount of anxiety about stuffing it up and afterwards you get the shame, that feeling of, Bron, you're a comedian. You know that thing afterwards where you're like, even if it's gone well, there'll still just be that one little bit of shame where you're like, Oh, I just talked in front of people. Gross. You know that thing? So you've got that. Ooh, I've never had a bad gig, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> no, even, but even the good gigs, there's yeah. still a little bit of your head going, who the fuck do you think you are, you gross thing? <laughs> I'm, I'm not made for this career. And, um, but you get none of the like actual reality of feeling the vibrations of happy people responding because they are just a fiction you can see them in front of you but they are absolutely fictional because they're not in front of you and yeah so it's um uh yeah I think some people are better at it but it's still messing with my head a little bit I'm sure that's age I was talking to Cal Wilson about it because she's also in her 40s and we were like I I wonder if we'd grown up with video calls Mm. if maybe it would mean more to us but it doesn't it's kind of a meaningless interaction to us we we get how to engage with people online but it doesn't feed us like we need to be fed Mm. well yes i only did one and Claire, you can't, you watched that one. And oh, that's right. Just, oh my God, Claire Marshall. Oh I was going to, I was going to watch it. And then I thought, no, I think Bron would rather this happen in private. I think I would have. I'm so, not that respectful. So, for those, so, <laughs> uh, so Lawrence Driscoll, he's, he's been on the show in the past. He's told me, he was like, just do it because you can just like flex that comedy muscle and you might actually really yeah. like it. And I had said it was a week earlier. I was like, yeah, fine, yeah, fine. Okay, fine, I'll do it. Just tell the lady I'll do it. So I got an email from the lady saying, oh, you're on the bill. And I was like, wow, that sounds very – that sounds like an actual thing. And then Monday afternoon, 
I was already drinking wine. I got a text from Lawrence saying, you're on. Like, you're on tonight, remember? And I'm like, oh, my, oh, fuck. I can't remember any of my jokes. So I get it out. Get, come, like, the, all of the people's faces pop up. And I know instantly it's a huge mistake. <laughs> it is the most it was the most painful hour and a half that i ever did and it's not because anyone was doing anything wrong it's, it's just it's not no one's comedy. fault it's just mm. not it's a sitting i was just sitting in the spare room and man oh. no it's meant to be a community experience yeah. comedy and it is it's meant to feel like a conversation and it's meant to make you feel like you're part of it's just you and the rest of the world is outside, but we don't, we just not, it don't feel connected enough. How, I mean, like there's people doing it really well though, and we're all getting better at it. But, um, but yeah, it's, and it's that spare room thing. I mean, I did one yesterday and it was, I mean, it was a joy as far as those things go, but I'm in the company of my stupid children right up to the minute. Like I'm used to, I'm used to, like I'm going, get nah, shut that door. We can the door's in shot, so keep the door closed. You know, like that's right before I talk to people for money. And um and my dog's trotting around my feet and I literally have my dirty washing basket at my feet. Like it's not in shot, but it's right there. And I'm it. I'm like I prefer the separation. Like yeah. I enjoy I enjoy being side of stage all alone getting my head in the zone, mm. like trying to switch onto work mode, which is what everyone's doing. Everyone's trying to switch into work mode, surrounded by the things of their sleeping and eating life. Yeah. Like there's, yes. there's it's no too, separation it's too, anymore. It's mixed up yeah. too much. And, and on like for an audience point of view, like I've watched a couple of things on Zoom for, and it's just, it isn't the same. And I feel, uh, it, it feel, I feel empty watching um, online, like, you know, online comedy. It feels not it, it, it takes the joy away from it it makes me sad so I don't watch it and I don't partake in it anymore which makes me nervous that it's like oh, okay great so what happens if COVID's here forever does that mean comedy is dead no because you're doing um I mean like the things that you do enjoy and that do actually work in this environment like your podcast your highly successful podcast mm. Um, is like that is a great way to give and continue to work. Yeah. I mean, and I know it earns you a lot of money. Yes. And there's also, um, <laughs> and then, um, but you know, and and you've been putting videos up on Instagram. That's excellent content. So I think I think we, I feel really bad about it, but I just think that this idea of trying to cram. Um, the experience of a live comedy gig mm. online it's just a poor fit yeah and we just need to we just need to go well what does work online and what is a good way of using my comic voice online and do that yeah how yeah however people are still people there's this giant hole in people's lives because I really think people miss that experience of being in a crowd and mm. Watching a show, whether it's comedy or music or whatever, you're like, we're really missing that experience. So if you can work out how to do it, great. But I just don't – I don't think there's many shows that have gotten gotten it right yet. Everyone's trying, though. Everyone's really – like, a lot of people are trying, which is amazing. But prior to yeah. lockdown, the Creative Arts um, contributed an estimated $14.7 billion Australian dollars to gross domestic product and employed – 193,600 people and the arts also create work for immense value to society in and of itself and then COVID hit and the 
in entertainment industry effectively became, uh, came to a standstill. And the state and the federal governments forked out some funny funding for people, um, but a lot of entertainers were left high and dry. And there was I know that there was an elig eligibility issue where some people were exempt from this um, because they're on short-term contracts and stuff. Hoops, did you notice a lot, like a bunch of your mates, like super angry about the funding or lack of funding around this time? Yeah, oh, I don't even know if I'd say angry. Maybe I wasn't looking hard enough. I, I just, um, I feel like arts workers are so used to being thought of as a um, second-class citizen or a, mm. like a less, you know, like we we really, um, God, I saw a really good oatmeal comic strip. I don't know if you know the oatmeal, which was just like, which was about how normal people create a product and they're like, buy it, you'll love it. And then artists are like, what, you want to buy it? Oh, my God, don't. Yeah, it's not even that good. Do you know what it's like? So I kind of like, I'm like, yeah, it was an outrage and everyone had a sense of maybe, everyone had a sense of the injustice of it, but also I feel like an awful lot of people just swallowed that injustice and were like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That is how we're thought of, like, which is oh, so depressing. No. But also maybe I was talking to the wrong people. Yeah. But, yeah, didn't you, didn't you feel like that, like there was – outrage about it yeah and um outrage. and there was that really good point made in first lockdown you know people are like when the bushfires ravaged australia the first people to lend their skills for free yeah. to help yeah, rebuild and fundraise yeah. comedians musicians etc and then when the next crisis hit they're just completely left to their own pitiful savings oh. And I just especially when they spend the first part of the year doing man, comedy like fundraising gigs where they don't get paid anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, that's right. Oh, they didn't even have money in the coffers. Yeah, I know a lot of people who moved home with family or had to sort of I don't know, like just a lot of people have basically had to give up the dream. And um Honestly. seems like a real shame it's really yeah like the contribution of the arts is really undervalued and I think it's because it is very hard it's very very hard to do maths on the actual financial outcome mm. of reflecting people's society back to themselves of de-stressing them of um I don't know what like how arts create well-being and then well-being the roll-on effect is the economy does better when when workers are happy the economy does better but it's a really because it's such a it's such a distant connection it's really hard to say well if you fund the arts everyone will be this much better off mm. it's like how do you say that and therefore it's really easy to ignore the arts so I'm, you, I'm very eloquent aren't I I can't articulate it very well but you know you know what I mean no, I don't you know like, it's just it, it's too hard to prove its worth and yet mm. you know it's one of the most vital parts of life is it you know like everybody's I mean everybody's binging Netflix yes, at the moment yes. but it's gonna run out yeah, eventually run out. you and need us I think you make a really important point Claire about you know I'm a consumer I'm not a creator and so like I've got a different kind of relationship to it but for me like the only joy 
in my life because I don't like my children and I don't have any friends is watching is watching stuff right and listening to music and consuming content and that gives me connection and it gives me joy and it gives me a sense of purpose and meaning when there's not much else around and you're right like the, the makers are like they're, they're the they're the the backbone of our culture and the other thing i'll make one point about ancient history and here i go what do we what artifacts do we thanks fun what artifacts do we hold on to we we look to remember kind of time and to remember ourselves we look at music we look at art we look at kind of the production of a community because it shows us not only who they were it shows us what they did so yeah like the, the, the this is being missed is just kind of cutting out a, you know cutting a leg off who we are Mm. So, Hoops, what is your prediction for arts in 2021? Well, the entertainment industry. So, let's say COVID goes away really soon. Like, by the end of 2020, everything, COVID is gone. See, I told you. Really? Sheer and utter joy. I said sheer and utter joy. It's gone. It's packed up. It's finished. Brazil's fine now. We fixed it. Exactly. Well, there's a vaccine. Let's just say, because we're magical. Let's, Let's just say that the COVID is finished and by the end of 2020, the entertainment industry has kicked off again. What do you do? You think that there will be any changes? Um, oh, that's a, okay. That's a that's a great question. And I guess what you're yeah, I mean, I think in terms of content, and I think yeah. yes. I mean, mm. it's going to be very hard for whether literally or just um, metaphorically, everything is in response to what we've been through. Like it's going to be. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's going to be post-pandemic entertainment. And even if it's nothing to do with the pandemic, it will be, mm. it will be either, I mean, like, um, there, there will be, people will be seeking out different experiences. So either stuff that directly talks about what we've all been through or stuff that is um, like I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of examples, and I know if I were better studied in this area, but like there is, everyone turns to absolute nonsense um, after something really bad has happened. So mm. so as in like as in fireworks and streamers and silliness. So I think there will be two people will be looking for one or the other. Mm. So absolute like just joy and carnival and ridiculousness or reflecting what we've been through i just i don't think we can go back to doing our entire shows about um you know the workplace or um or this thing what happened to me i think it'll i think there will be a real i think there will be a new tone to everything for a little while Mm -hmm. because you know just just I mean, it's it's not been a war, but you look at post-war entertainment or post-war cinema, or you know what I mean, or you, or even after Vietnam, you know, there is there will be a year or two of everything having a different tone. I reckon. I I'm I'm sorry, that's not a really specific prediction, though, is it? Oh, I think but, um, I think I think it is. Yeah, it's it's a cultural prediction because it's like we either need to completely remove ourselves from this collective trauma, or we need to, you know, engage with things that help us process it. I think I think that's yes. that's a good, good yeah. prediction. Yeah, and there'll be very little, very little in between those two. It'll be mm. it'll be one or the other. I mean, and both at the same time. It'll be both of those things and very little in between. Oh god, that sounds really stressful. One room is really really quite serious, and the other room is an absolute like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you have epilepsy, do not go to those gigs. It's like strobe yeah, lights. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally. <laughs> what else? What about what about our predictions for school? Brum, what do you reckon? Well. 
Look, um, I during lockdown, uh, parents have had to um, or tried to step up and become their kids' teachers as well as parents. We all three of us have, and we know that a lot of parents are working from home while some have lost their jobs, and teachers have been forced to learn how to do their job in a completely different way, in a pretty ordinary way. Then there's the kids, and they miss their mates, and the tension at, of home with their parents is quite full on because their parents are not their teacher, but for some reason their parent is their teacher now, and it's not very fun for them, and it's not very fun for the for the parents, and the kids are starting to wonder if they ever get to go back to school again, and it is pretty, it's like, a, it's a pretty tumultuous little chapter in Melbourne's life, and Hoops, what has homeschooling been like for you? Oh, it's been a real challenge, because <laughs> my, um, I'm aware that my daughter is different to me, but I was like, like I was, I was a real, I was a scholar and she is not a scholar. So it is so, it's so strange to me really like actually engaging with that daily. Like previously it was, it was walk her to school, have a chat, drop her off and not have to think about how challenging she found school. And now I have to be part of how challenging she finds it. And I have to be like, I mean, we're combatants half of the day and that's, you know, it's like, because she is so reluctant that she will stop in the middle of a letter. You know, like, I can't believe it. It's not just, like, in the middle of a sentence or in the middle of a word. She will half she will half write the letter D and then take her pencil off and, and need to be coaxed back into putting the stick on the D. She's like, it's a C it's now. It's a C. Get on with it. Torturous. Anyway, so. But, but it's also, I mean, like, it's amazing and it. I feel like it's only right. I mean, it almost feels like, and this is such a fantasy, but wouldn't it be this ideal thing if for one month a year parents always did the school? If there was one month yeah. a year. I mean, it's impractical and I understand how that could never be sold as an idea, but wouldn't it be great if we did have to engage? <gasps> like if we all had to engage? Because I have learned so much more about her and how to help her. Oh, it's so interesting that you say um, that. And just imagine, so you just have to imagine, like, in schools, I know that um, the school that our, our girls go to, there's, like, so many children in one classroom because it's an open space classroom. And like, what, there's, like, four or five different cl- classes that are all in this big mm. open space. There's so many distractions. And even if there was just one class in one space, there's still 20 other kids there that have something to say or something to scratch or something to show someone. <laughs> and that, that just that, then there's one or maybe two teachers trying to wrangle these kids and all their different contexts and all their different... How do they, how do, they do it? How do they, they do, do anything? How do they, how do they get yeah. anything it's done? impossible. <laughs> they are national heroes. I do not know. I agree. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that's come out of this is that people are going to fall to the feet of their teachers and worship them from here on in because everyone's realised that it's so hard to get a kid to learn anything at all. They are willful about about rejecting any knowledge or skills. Yeah. It's outrageous. Um, What about you, Claire? Because I know it's been awful for you oh it's not been awful I've just basically given up so my situation is that I'm I have my girls full-time who are one and six from Monday to Friday 
And so during this time, I'm attempting to hold down a job so we don't have to sleep in Bron's car. And <laughs> and I'm starting the day at 4am. And that was really cute when I was like doing all-nighters, you know, and working in a cafe after a bunch of pingers in my 20s. But now that I'm pushing 60, I'm really starting <laughs> to feel that in my body. Yeah. And so the day is trying to occupy the girls who are so far apart developmentally that they're a different species and going to Zoom meetings while they yell at me. So I'm so, so grateful that I'm employed and I can work from home, but it's a little challenging. So if Frida's happy, for example, so like if we go outside, the one-year-old, we go outside and she picks up rocks and she'll put them in my hand and then she'll say rock and we'll repeat that for 20 minutes. But Stevie does not like that game. But if Stevie's (laughs) happy, so if we're playing Kids Monopoly or doing some cracked out game where I'm like the wizard pigeon and she's the princess of destiny, Frida is trying to eat the Monopoly. I hate those games. They are the worst. They're the The worst. worst. I hate games. I hate my children. But yeah, babe, you can see it in your head. I can't see this. I don't know what a wizard pigeon behaves like. You're going to have to give me better parameters for this improv exercise. You're the princess of destiny. You're the princess of destiny. The world is ending. But while we're playing this, stupid game Frida is like trying to eat monopoly pieces or you know drink chemicals mm-hmm. from under the cupboard so in this homeschooling has no place I forgot it my children can go live in bronze car <laughs> yeah so that so who's idea of that's a good solution actually yeah yeah your family is banned from my car I will not say it again but there is <laughs> uh, but who's idea of one month homeschooling Claire, does, uh, does that sound amazing to you? Oh, or no. Look, I, I think it's been important to me because Stevie, you know, Stevie, oh, she can't like, and, and I knew, I knew, like, I knew that her brain was different, but like, she just watching her try to learn has just, or watching me try to help her to learn to learn how to help her has just taught me how bloody like remarkable her teacher is because I, I I get frustrated and we're one-on-one I get frustrated because she like it's like a 30 seconds in and she'll just get up and look out the window and be like what are you doing she's like I'm, I saw a bird I'm like sit down. <laughs> and, then, and then the zoom meetings like she's just she's just like she'll just they'll be like joe spends half the time just like stevie can you just stop talking stevie will tell a joke at the end of the class okay stevie just stop and like sometimes i've had to mute her she's just, <laughs> like, the entertainment no, industry is dying we need her energy <laughs> So no, I don't want your month. I want to palm it off to someone else because I can't do it. No, I'm actually, I totally want that month. I'd love that month. And I know that's a very unpopular, um, when you said that idea, Claire, I was like uh, frantically nodding because I love that idea, but I know a lot of people wouldn't. And that's because my situation allows that idea to be quite nice. Um, And as a parent, like I really, yeah, I really like homeschooling. I feel like I'll have... I can teach her. I feel like I can teach her stuff, and I also can see like, even when the curriculum's really dry, I'm like, well, we're just not going to do that. We'll just do something completely different. And we'll learn about something different. And it's actually mm. it's quite nice because you just assume that kids' brains, I don't know, that they're all that they're going to catch up at some stage or something. But there's different ways to teach them, and I really like finding different ways to teach her certain things. Yeah, and mm. I know I sound like a massive loser, but I just, I just. I just really enjoy that bit. And now we're at the point where we're teaching Edie to read and I just love that I'm there for that bit because otherwise it would have been her daycare teaching her all of these letters. And mm. I, 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 feel, I feel drunk with power and <laughs> I will not give it up. But then I thought, yeah, it, is, it, it, has tra- it has trained me to think about their brains as sponges a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. You know, like I'm just I'm adding to what you're saying, but like we, we went out for our exercise walk this morning and 
Um, and I think I used to do this a little bit, but I just, I think I'm just more inclined to point out flowers and tell them the names yeah. and get them to say the names back and like talk about why there's a little dot in the middle and how it's the landing pad. Cause of course they need insects to visit them or they don't turn into seeds. And you know, like, so I know that's, I th- yeah, I think I've just, yeah, I've taken on teacher a little bit more i was just keeping them alive before yeah and waiting it's so true <laughs> and now i'm like oh every moment's a teachable moment yeah. right yeah totally but and, but the- claire you were already like that before i've seen you with your i've seen you with your children teaching them every minute of the day you don't have to do regular hours school because you already i like that that's just when people are watching hoops exactly when oh. i'm not i'm just lying in bed eating mcdonald's under the covers and they're somewhere i don't know where they are <laughs> Learning, teaching, they're having teachable moments <laughs> by themselves. Don't you dare turn off Gilmore Girls. If you turn off Gilmore Girls, I'll hit the bloody roof. So, but as a general vibe um, from my teacher mates, it's pretty horrible doing remote teaching. Um, mm. And I know we already mentioned how we're so, so like thrilled or grateful for our, um, our kids' teachers, but all of our kids are in like primary school and I feel like there's a few like this is this might be be wrong or just my experience I feel like there's more appreciation for Mm. primary school teachers than there are high school teachers and I know a lot of the high school teachers um, that I know have a lot of parent input now saying what they think about the curriculum and what this child should or shouldn't be doing whereas before parents weren't that active like that actively involved and it kind of went a little bit smoother whereas now where the parents are stressed and at home and they're trying to get their kids to do all these things they're realizing how much high school kids have to do Mm. and then now outraged by it and so Mm. there's a lady who I right okay yeah yeah. so and in primary school I know everyone's just like you know I feel this is my experience there's lots of compliments going back to the teacher saying, thank you so much for, for your help. I'm really grateful. Um, but in high school, I don't feel like that's the case at all. Um, and a lady I used to work with, I was texting the other day and she said that now it's like all the shit bits of teaching are really amplified and all mm. of the good stuff is gone. Like, oh my God, just like my gigs. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. You're yeah. a teacher. So, but can you imagine like in high school, if all of the, all of the, a high school teacher, all of the good bits are gone, what's left? Like what is left? <laughs> like, it sounds yeah. horrible. It sounds like I was really worried because yeah. this year I'm on a lot, obviously on long service leave. I was so worried that this was going to be a bad year. Um, to take off. I was like, oh my god, everyone's on, they're on holidays the whole time. Bastards. And they're getting paid for, oh, because so no. Then they, I realised it's actually a horrific time and constant teacher, uh, parent um, communication and also like kids mm. saying, like, can't, oh, mm. internet's down, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So I do think we'll appreciate teachers more. And I also think that we all understand how our kids learn more and mm. we're all, that we're also capable of teaching them stuff. Um, and we'll we'll lean on schools less in the future. So we'll be like, oh, actually, I know how to teach her that. Oh, I know that I'm capable of teaching her that, or something like that. And just trusting that we, mm. trusting that we understand how our child works because we've had this time to do it. And in my experience, the um, uh, most kids that succeed at school, and that doesn't mean high marks. So success at, at uh, schooling, success does not mean, you know, you got 100 out of 100. It just might mm. mean that you got through feeling pretty good about it. 
that is mm. almost all of those kids have parents at home that are actively involved in their education to a degree. They know what the kids are doing. They're, they kind of understand what each of the subjects is about. They ask the questions. They know what how their kid learns. And then that's, you know, that's, that sets them up to succeed. You know, does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I'm looking forward to that kicking in when I know what has happened at school because I asked Steve and she's like, oh, you know, I got to drive the bus today and we went to the zoo and then we saw yeah. a, a bear and the bear looked at me and I'm like, you fucking liar. Got- Stevie, why do I talk to you? <laughs> I thought I said sit in the car. <laughs> and, um, but what else? Okay, so 2021, what else is going to change next year? What about human interaction? Yeah, I'm really interested in that. Yeah, because I I wonder how we're going to mitigate all the anxiety we're holding, right? So, like, every stranger is a threat. Are they one of those people who went home when the people came knocking for quarantine checks? Are they following the rules? Or do they have secret backyard swingers spa bath parties with, like, Karen and Tony and Trevor and Tracy from down the road every Saturday? So I think we'll be warier and more worried, but we will also be kinder and more open because 2020, you guys, has taught me a lot of things. Disappointingly, these things don't include the saxophone or making tiny cats out of the hair of other cats, and Bron won't stop crying about that because she's a weirdo. But the gorgeous thing is that the people in my life, I know, I knew before, but I know it in a much deeper way now. Like, they're remarkable, and I love them because they're decent and kind, and they're there. So most strangers are exactly the same, right? So we're going to be terrified of strangers, but we'll also fall very wildly in love with them at the same time. It's going to be very turbulent. What do you guys reckon? It's really, um, okay, that's all really interesting. I, I mean, I do, no, because I, I think, because um, it has set us all up, you know, like basically the message is everybody you meet on the street could make you die. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the messaging of masks and social distancing. And yet my experience hasn't it's been. terrifying. What? It's so it's true though. That's the message. Me the message is every single yeah. person could make you die, therefore don't go near them yeah. and they better be wearing a mask. Also you had. So that's. Um, but what's really, what's really interesting is I feel, I don't know if this is a natural optimism, but I have, I, Um, I think it was only like the first week of the first lockdown where I was looking at people like, oh, my God, it's another person. You know, like I'd give them a really wide berth. So now Mm. I give them a really wide berth. But what I'm doing, and I don't even know if this is what's going on for them because everyone's in a mask and I cannot accurately read anyone's nonverbals. But um, I'm imagining it like Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, oh, my God, they don't want us to be together. But look at us (laughs) passing one and a half metres apart. You know, like I'm... As far as I'm concerned, I'm making gorgeous, cheeky connections with everyone I pass, which I'm sure is mostly my imagination. But I, so it's really interesting that I haven't, I haven't taken on the message that every stranger is a threat. I'm actually like, look at us all in this together. Oh my goodness, look, look, we're both wearing masks. Look, aren't we adorable? <laughs> but that's my destiny. experience. Yeah. So, um, hoops is huge imaginary um, games. Brunswick. Mm, I'm making really special connections with everyone, Bron. Um, <laughs> That's called loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like Penny's even worse. Penny, because uh, we were uh, exercising this morning, and this is my six-year-old, and she is so sociable. Like she's a real. She just really needs other people. She's struggling, and um, every we, we're walking part behind somebody along a busy road, and they're walking a dog. They've got a mask on. The road's busy. They can't hear her, but she's just walking on a meter and a half behind them, going, "Hello, hello, <laughs> hello." 
hello. And I'm like, Penny, she can't hear you. But like, she's so, just every person. Or if somebody's in their yard, she's like waving at them with this big beaming Aww. smile. She's so determined to make a connection with everyone. And I think I've got a little t- tiny bit of that. You know, like, like I'm just seeing us as all in this beautiful adventure movie together rather than rather than we're all against each other. Mm. Yeah. I am I mean yeah, I don't know I don't know what it's going to do to us long term behaviorally. I think it's going to give our kids really interesting. Like cuz cuz our kids are all small and at a real age for like they're at a developmental stage where mm. the lessons we're teaching them about humor and human interaction are going to stick for them more. Mm. We're going to go we're going to go back to normal. We're going to be able to watch an old episode of Friends where people shook hands with their actual naked hand mm. and not flinch. <laughs> but I don't know if our children are maybe going to take on this message about germs being everywhere in a kind of deeper more permanent way. Mm. Yeah. I think you made a really interesting point about socializing cuz and and you know how how kids interact before and how physical they are. But, like, how much they just need to be seen and to be in the world and how important that is to them. And Stevie was doing that same thing. She was, like, going outside and being like, hi, hello, my name's Stevie. And I was like, (laughs) I tried to to pivot her. And I was like, how about you just make people feel nice about, like, why don't you just try to make people feel good? We don't feel very good at the moment, so just give them a compliment. That was a very bad idea because we'll be going down the street and she'll be like, I like your baby. (laughs) (laughs) the The best one. It was, oh, God, it was such a backfire because I was like we'll bring joy to the world this is how the community will, will come together again we'll save the world from coronavirus and then we were walking down the street the other day and she, there's a guy across the road and she goes I like your trolley <laughs> he was he, oh. he was in a wheelchair <laughs> oh jeez well I was died <laughs> oh, was, well, don't give her instructions Claire no <laughs> it's not worth it just do you know what I just you're just gonna need to double mask her and tape around the edges. I'll just leave her in bronze car all day. Option C. <laughs> you are all bad. Oh god. No, well my kid's really shy, so she's Olive's Olive doesn't Olive doesn't like talking to people she doesn't know. So she's in heaven. She loves this so much. But she's you know but I do she like you know, she'll go to touch someone's gate because there's this place near our house which is amazing that has like it's full of like Barbies and um, they've just put out all of these kids' toys and every single night someone in that house comes out and rearranges all of the toys again. It's so Aww. beautiful. And I don't it's been going forever. They must be sick to death of it. But the kids in the neighborhood absolutely love it. So the girls will will go down there for a walk and then they'll run up to the gate and they'll touch it and every single time I will have this outrageous reaction and I don't even know it's coming. It just yep. spills yeah. out of me like lava. And I'm like, go touch the gate, get off the gate, go touch the gate. And so then, then, <laughs> then the girls like, just like fall back. And then the, I just think, oh, my, so many parents would have this reaction. So the yeah. poor people who every single night slave away in their yard are <laughs> <laughs> just rearranging these Barbies and lions and unicorns and just have these parents scream at them all day. I was like, oh, God. But they like, but they are still touching everything. But they they yeah. know that when my voice starts to yell, they know that whatever they're touching is on. You know, it will make them die. <laughs> and that's what we want to do, right? <laughs> they're going to be fine after this. Just fine. <laughs> exactly. Claire's girls know so much about Gilmore Girls. Exactly. Yeah. I'm almost finished and I'm not okay. But that's a whole other episode that is going to be coming up that we'll talk oh, about okay. it for three hours of Gilmore Girls special. Good. 
Did you ever watch you, it? I mean, have you? Hoops? Nah. No, nah, I've never been desperate enough. Um, do you? <laughs> nah. <laughs> You've never been That's divorced, not... rabbit. I've never been divorced enough <laughs> to watch the entire Gilmore Girls. That is good. Um, no, I really, um, I, I've got, I've got mates who've done it and I know I'm, I'm across it and I know that I would really enjoy it, but I have never needed it. So I'm just saving it for the day when I need it. You're right. It's a needing it show and I need it and yeah. it's nearly over and I don't know what I need and I'm not so, okay. Claire, well, have you, you've never watched any of RuPaul's Drag Race, have you? No, I tried. And I know you're oh. both super duper into it. I tried the first first season. I watched. Oh, well, don't before. do that. Oh, yeah, no, that's no, a mistake, no. right? Maybe that's my yeah. pivot. I'll pivot into that. They were like on milk crates Look, in the it's first just, season. Was it, was, it was very budget and it didn't have a real... Look, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's a lot better than if you're going to watch reality. It's a lot better than Real Housewives or Survivor. You know, like mm. it is genuine. Like generally, it is supportive and friendly, and sometimes they will play up a bitch moment. But mostly, it's like mostly it is just a really tight, loving community, like living their best life. Yeah. It's just costumes and songs and comedy. So it's pretty nice. It's like the exact opposite can, I mean, of like, Melbourne right now. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful place. But hoops, you do know that Gilmore Girls is not reality. I just yeah. want to clear that up. No, 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 okay. no, no. That's my it's I guess real. sorry, I missed a step in my explanation. What I was saying was if you've really enjoyed you've already done West Wing, you've done Gilmore yes. Girls, maybe it's time to do to do a little because reality can be so bingeable, mm. but you've got to get the stuff that's not too tough. You've got to pivot, Claire. And it's just I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna pivot to oh, I mean... The yeah, great, 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 British, marriage. great British sewing <laughs> bee, that is oh. so bingeable. Oh, watch that. That sounds really nourishing. It's okay. really good. Cute. Yeah, do, watch from the Joe Lysett. You know, like Joe Lysett's been the host since um, season five, season six. You know, he's the guy, he's the English comedian who changed his name legally to Hugo Boss oh. after Hugo Boss started bringing legal action against... <laughs> companies that use the word boss in like their menu items or something so like hugo boss were throwing their weight around and he was like all right well i'll just change my name to hugo boss Boss." (laughs) amazing as well as hosting the great british sewing bee so obviously the greatest man ever (laughs) um do you yeah so do you how do you guys feel do you have i given you really accurate predictions about the future yeah yes yeah i think recap we're gonna we're gonna quit school we're um gonna be comedians and we're gonna love strangers Mm -hmm. Forever. That's mm. the. That's it, right? That's what you it know, is. is that that really, that was the advice. You. That was well, you just, it, just. I mean, like, do you guys have a sense of whether I will ever work again? Yeah. Just, just out of interest. Yes, hundred dollars. <laughs> You're very famous. You just when you <laughs> way more features than us. I'm so famous. <laughs> um, I oh, I've got a, I've got a kid's storybook. I'm yeah. gonna be fine. Oh, this yeah. is you get rich. Oh, you get so rich from lovely. books, don't you? Yes, you definitely you do. Get, yeah, you're gonna be rich as. Yeah, tell us. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Because it's gonna be. So I've read bits of it and it's so, so good. But can you tell us a little bit you, about it? You helped me play with some of the sentences, which was very kind of you. And that's ages ago. That's like a year ago, I think, that you and I coming. were bouncing some stuff. And, um, yeah, and Claire's also had a look. Claire's had a more recent look at it and also, um, like, thrown some ideas around. Because, you know, the, the more people's eyes you can get across it, the better. Because it's a kid's book and I – anyway, but it's um, – it's just about a, you know, I have this real, I have this early memory from being maybe three or four. I don't know how old I was. And I remember the first 
moment I actively didn't say the thing I saw because I knew it would hurt someone's feelings. So I saw a really big woman in the supermarket and I wanted to point it out to my mum and it was my, it's my first memory of self-censoring and going, not everything, you don't say everything out loud, right? Wow. So I think I was playing with that idea, and so, but basically, I mean, to make it sillier, it's about a princess who knows how to behave, but her bum yells stuff. So her bum, yell, her, basically, her internal monologue is yelled loudly by her bum, and it's a real embarrassment to a young lady who's trying to behave nicely to have a bum that just says, "You got a big nose," <laughs> in the middle of the. Yeah, anyway, so that's it. Yeah, it's a book about that. I don't know if that comes across when you read it, Claire, but it was all about it was all about how because I think kids at that kind of four or five age are learning to self-censor. Yeah, and and, and the truth is the truth, but mm. but some things hurt people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, didn't Claire, didn't mm. you have didn't you didn't Stevie say something to a lady on your work Zoom meeting the other day? Yeah, yeah, we were, we had a we had a meeting um, in the morning, and she told one of the women that she was very old. Good. <laughs> so I'm waiting well, for her to learn that lesson. That you oh yeah, but I did that in my many, many I did times. that in, <laughs> I did that in my Zoom gig yesterday, didn't I? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you're old. <laughs> And it I wasn't did. like she didn't laugh it off either. It was awful. Oh, it was someone, oh, someone, de- no. somebody that I supervised, somebody below oh. the person that I supervised, so quite junior. And um, and yeah, oh. and she said it. And rather than kind of laughing it off, she looked really wounded. It was fucking awful. I just, I, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, but yeah, but you mentioned this last episode when we're not seeing each other in person. It is so so much easier to be socially Everyone's anxious hurting. and misinterpret everyone. Yeah, like as in, you read a text and you can immediately imagine how it might have been meant yeah, in exactly. a mean way. You're like, okay, well, this looks like a joke, but probably they actually hate me. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I think Brent and I text each other, are you okay? Are you okay? Like four yeah. times a day. It's just as no one knows and everything is just not okay. No one's okay. No one's okay, but we will be okay. okay. We will be okay. In 2021, it's going to be fixed. Fine. Everyone is everyone is you know, doing their best, and next year's even better. It's just has to be better than this, right? It's a magical <laughs> world. We'll all be the princesses of destiny. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and no one can live in my car. So when you told me that you wanted to talk about the future, mm. I did something that I never do, and I bought um, I bought a scratch. <gasps> oh my god! Like, let's just oh, let's, let's just find out what the future holds. But like, let's not play with like one year in the future. Let's play with. Five seconds in the future. Okay, okay let's do it. Okay, so it's only a one dollar, and the best you can possibly get is ten thousand dollars. I mean, I used to earn that <laughs> in an hour, and now, and now it takes me seventy years. Okay, <laughs> let's get. I'm so but don't excited. you think? I mean, like if if it means it's like let's do it like Groundhog Day. This is not a groundhog; it's a picture of a sloth. But um, it's. If if I win anything off this, it means that springtime is going to come early, okay? And there's Melbourne rain and the lockdown and the numbers. And if we lose, then it's it's going to confirm what we already thought, which is we're never going outside again. I'm not emotionally prepared for this. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm going to cry. This is so exciting. I never do scratchies. Oh my god. I never do scratchies, but I've like done maybe I've I've scratched five in my entire life, and every time I am absolutely certain I'm going to win. (laughs) Like right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm absolutely right. gonna. Okay, all right. I've got to get. I've got to get three of the same number. Okay, so I've got it. I've got one ten thousand dollars so yes. far. Yeah, you need three of them. Okay. So we're splitting oh it God. three ways, right? 
guys, there's two three dollars so far. Far out. I mean, that would be tripling. Yeah, that's like a cheeseburger for McDonald's. Maybe like three quarters of one. I'll be honest, this is not looking that good. Oh no! Why'd you do this? Okay. How'd you go? We got three dollars. That's one back each. That means I made my money back, and you two are rich. Why don't they? That do. What's tripling my investment, guys? Okay. I can't wait to be the loser that walks into a news agent with my mask on and claims three dollars. Your one daily excursion. <laughs> That's right. I can't go. I can't get back. milk now, but at least I've got my three bucks. <laughs> Can one of you please return it for me if I post yes, it to you? I don't want. Yes. Post you have to frame story. it. That's seriously the most oh, exciting thing okay. that's happened on this. Yeah, exactly. I'm so oh, relieved. <laughs> Spring's coming. COVID's oh going to be cancelled. Everything's going to be okay. Thank you, Claire. That was a yeah, journey. I didn't need to go to my therapist this afternoon anymore. I've already gone. <laughs> well, oh, Claire Hooper, you are good value. Thank you so much for coming on Hoops. We just love you so much. And um, we have been so excited that you were coming off for our 20th episode and and now we're millionaires exactly and and (laughs) we now know that spring's coming early and covid will end like i told you guys we did it whereas what australia needs all right you guys we've been good sheilas we love you so much Bye. bye